You are listening to First in Human, where we interview industry leaders and investors to learn about their journey to inhuman clinical trials. Presented by Vile, a tech-enabled CRO. Hosted by Simon Burns, CEO and co-founder. Featuring special guest host, Emma Moran, VP of CNS. In this episode, we sit down with Pepper Lanson, co-founder and CEO of Protego. Learn more about Protego's innovative approach using Amadorans to tackle neurodegenerative diseases and the importance of integrity, tenacity, and compassion in the biotech industry. I'm Emma Moran, VP of CNS at Vile, and I'm really excited to be joined today by Pepper Lanson. Pepper, would you like to briefly introduce yourself? Thank you, Emma. My name is Pepper Lanson. I'm a 30-year industry veteran. I co-founded and lead a company called Protego, which is developing novel small molecules to change how we age, starting with Alzheimer's and dementia. Thank you. So, Pepe, you've been involved in developing therapeutics for healthcare needs for a long time now. What initially drew you to a career in healthcare and pharmaceuticals? I am by nature curious and I love problem solving. These two drivers are welcome and, in fact, encouraged in our industry. But like most folks who find themselves at a really opportune moment in time, it's never a linear process. So about 30 years ago, I was fortunate enough to stumble into a job working with the U.S. military to research HIV. And at that time, there was nothing in treatment. There was just the beginning of clinical trials for what was then AZT and course, everybody knows how that story turned out. But the United States military, and certainly a Department of Defense funding, was in collaboration with the folks at NIAD. And that was when Tony was in charge and Debbie Burks was there, Robert Redfield was there. And this group of federal folk, military, their medicine, their doctors, these scientists, just wonderful people focused on solving a problem, they were working diligently to understand the disease and conduct clinical trials to study possible treatments. And working in that environment with these incredibly talented people was infectious, no pun intended. And after a few years of being able to have the pleasure of being around that type of folk, I was hooked. Um, And I've been in medical and clinical research ever since. So like you, Pepper, I've also worked in the Alzheimer's field for a long time. So I'm really interested to hear more about your research. Can you give us a glimpse into how Protego, innovative small molecules, the Amadorans, work to safeguard against neurodegenerative diseases and share the fascinating research journey that brought them to life? Again, nonlinear stories, but the history of the Amadoran development spans 30 years four generations of candidates, and the third being Protego. The one constant is our CSO, Dr. Raja Khalifa. He's a world-class chemist, and he's also the inventor of the Amadorans. He identified the original molecule, let's call it Gen 1, and its unique ability to inhibit a significant chemical reaction related to glucose metabolism. So you know we all use glucose for energy, and that's generally no big deal. However, as glucose is metabolized, it also loves to bind with long-acting proteins and lipids and bits of DNA. And these glycated units are targeted for non-enzymatic oxidation driven by redox metal ions. And it's this event, simply known as glycoxidation, that can become harmful. 
the reaction produces highly reactive byproducts, pathogenic oxidative chemistries to kind of put a big net around it, but it produces advanced glycation end products or AGEs. And when we're young or otherwise healthy, the body deals with the consequences of glycoxidation or more simply put glucotoxicity. But as we age or have other comorbid conditions, those consequences start to add up. And what does this mean? It means oxidative stress and it means AGE accumulation. So what, right? Why does this matter? It matters because these are two known drivers of neuroinflammation and protein aggregation. And this pathology encourages plaques and tangles in Alzheimer's disease. So the amadorans, all four generations, demonstrate the ability to inhibit glycoxidation. Our mechanism transiently caps the redox metal ions that drive the reaction. And as a result, the amadorans limit not one, but at least three known promoters of neurodegeneration, redox metal ion toxicity, oxidative stress, and AGE accumulation. And we have reason to believe that our candidates may also be protective of neuronal cells and by somehow protecting maybe the mitochondria. And that's a new phase of research we're trying to further with these candidates. We've always known what they do outside of the cells, but now we have better technology to help us understand what they may be doing to benefit the inside of a cell. While the Gen 1 candidate did this, by Gen 4, the lead candidate is two orders of magnitude more potent. And what we've learned along the way and steadily refined were features across each generation, and we landed on the ideal for a chronic use drug in an aging population to treat age-related diseases like neurodegeneration. Wow, that's really fascinating. So Alzheimer's disease and related dementias are often referred to as a public health crisis. So how does Protego's approach with these amadorins uniquely position itself to address this crisis on a systemic level? Let me set the table a bit for the scope of the problem. The collection of diseases that fall under the umbrella of dementia for which Alzheimer's has the biggest footprint is really truly a crisis. And I'm speaking as a caregiver to a mother with Alzheimer's. So I can honestly say that the collateral damage to family members, caregivers is profound, right? This is not a disease that operates in a vacuum. It takes everything it can with it as it progresses. Children become the parents and parents become unrecognizable. And you have to have wealth to afford supportive care or to place your loved ones in a home and then pray that that home will keep them safe. And that cost is out of reach for so many families and bed space in a suitable care facility is limited. So it will not keep up with the pace of the Alzheimer's epidemic, the dementia epidemics. It's obvious. With Protego's candidates, we aim to be an early intervention and to limit cognitive decline long before overt Alzheimer's. And that's now possible because we have tools to identify folks at risk decades prior to having frank cognitive decline, frank Alzheimer's symptoms. And so because we can measure it, we can go in sooner. So that makes it possible for a candidate like the Amadorans to be able to run a clinical program, run a clinical series of clinical trials, and ultimately have something we can measure 
that the agency will say, yeah, that's an approvable functional endpoint. It means clinical benefit. Now, of course, the challenge becomes, how do you afford a trial that's a little longer than you'd like it to be? But thankfully, again, super smart people and statistics and some other really cutting edge clinical trial design techniques are coming of age that'll help those of us who work in the chronic diseases of aging like Alzheimer's to slow things down and have trials we can afford to do. But back to your original question, you know, as I mentioned, we designed the Amadorans to have ideal features for a chronic use drug. They're oral, right? IV infusions are great, but a lot of people can't access that level of care. We design these candidates to have a wide margin of safety. So the room to play between the efficacious dose and the toxicity dose is really broad. And you want that in an aging population. We also design them to be reasonable in terms of pricing. From the beginning, from the bench, we said, these drugs have to be easy to make. They have to have good IP around them. But we don't want to use every most expensive ingredient in order to price these things out of the hands of most folks. We have been thinking about this problem for a long time. And I think with the current Gen 4 candidates, starting with PTG 630, we may have finally found the sweet spot. But the other thing that's super meaningful as a systemic answer to a systemic problem is our mechanism is beneficial to patients who have excess glucose fueling this oxidative stress and AGE pathology pathway. So we all do it, but diabetics do it faster. That's now a known thing. Diabetes is a an extreme risk for Alzheimer's and dementia. And in our working hypothesis, it's because of this glucose toxicity challenge. And if we can affect the beginning of that, then we can protect diabetics from having cognitive decline and we can protect everybody else from getting it too. So in my mind, with that, hopefully, right, again, future forward thinking, if we are right, then our drugs could benefit as many as one in 10. And if we're able to demonstrate sufficient safety profile, when you talk about pre-diabetics being one in three in the United States, this is like a statin. This could actually protect people from a known undesirable outcome and be something they just take with the breakfast and get on with their lives. Yeah, that would be absolutely amazing, wouldn't it? Yeah, it really would. The biotech industry is continually evolving. So what emerging trends or technologies do you foresee as game changers in shaping the future of healthcare, clinical research, and the broader biotech sector? I'm a bit old school, I think, in some respects, because the more things change, the more they stay the same. We have AI, and that's done some amazing things for our industry and for life in general. It's accelerated things like discovery. It's accelerated this concept of patient twinning which I think is really interesting. There was a team at Duke, which is right down the road from us, that did, I will call it an artificial clinical trial, which I also thought was fascinating. And there's a paper around it. And of course, these things are super helpful. But what I think would be most meaningful when you're talking about the chronic diseases of aging and specifically Alzheimer's and related dementia is innovation in clinical trial design. The late stage trials, as I've already mentioned, they're wildly expensive. And right now, the folks who can afford the companies who can afford to do it are big pharma. And last I checked, Protego is not big pharma. And so we have to have the mindset of partnering in order to have these big ambitions. 
But what I love hearing, I listened to a town hall by the ADDF earlier this week, and Dr. Fillett, who's the head of ADDF, talks about how innovations in digital biomarkers are going to affect the way we do late-stage trials. Innovations in statistical design, I've been reading what I can get my hands on around randomized start trial design, which is really, truly, and potentially helpful if you want to demonstrate the value of a disease-modifying drug versus a symptom management drug. Those are the kinds of drugs folks like Protego are developing and some of the other companies in our space. So smarter clinical trial design using higher mathematics, statistical design, things like that. It's not necessarily the fancy buzz of AI. It's just recognizing we have to be creative and do it better. These are little iterative steps that don't discount the need for man years for safety, right? We cannot cut corners on confirming these drugs are well-tolerated because these patients are already compromised. They're older. They have other things going on. So as long as we recognize that there are ways to be creative and progressive without sacrificing good science, integrity in our research, integrity in our data, and of course, honoring the patients who give us their time and everything else, we can do it better. We just have to do it better. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Pepper, in your opinion, what key qualities are essential for a biotech company's sustainable growth and impact in the long term? And how do you ensure that Protego embodies these qualities? It's a really powerful question, and I think it transcends biotech. Integrity. Integrity of process. Integrity of people. Even integrity of the goal, the thing you're trying to solve. Are your company's values in alignment with the way you are developing your candidate? That really matters to me. As I had mentioned offline, you know, in addition to 30 years in industry, I'm also a trained executive coach. And that has been one of the greatest resources I have as a startup CEO is recognizing the values of the company need to be considered and in the context of how we move forward with developing drugs, right? So as I mentioned, Dr. Khalifa is a world-class chemist. The integrity of the process by which he considers our candidates and develops our candidate, it's top drawer. And he's had a huge influence on the way I approach things. So integrity, tenacity, these are big, hairy problems that are going to take some pretty strong people who are relentless in their pursuit of an answer, right? Because if we wilt at the first sign of trouble, we won't get very far. Perseverance, of course, as a feature. Compassion. Why are we doing what we do? Because we want to help people. And as a CEO, one of the things I ask anybody we consider hiring or even any vendor we consider working with is, Do you have a wellness plan for you as a person? Because if we don't take care of ourselves while we're doing these hard things, we'll burn ourselves out. That doesn't serve the mission. And so self-compassion, compassion compassion for the process, for each other, I think is meaningful. And certainly focus, right? There's lots of shiny things to get distracted by. We're all guilty of it. But maintaining certainty and integrity of the mission, I think, is also really key But most of all, oddly enough, I think we need to remember that the best form of healthcare is human connection and kindness, right? Mm -hmm. Long before we ever made drugs or needed drugs, 
being in community, creating community, being there for each other. I think that transcends all biotech. And I have an active practice to make sure we do that on a routine basis as a company. So with all your experience, Pepper, have you got any words of wisdom for young people starting a career in pharmaceuticals and biotech nowadays? Yes, actually. First, let me speak as a caregiver to an Alzheimer's patient, and I'm an APOE4 carrier too. And so what we've learned as an industry, as a community of scientists and clinicians, is that we can take substantial action now, and especially when, you know, those who are younger, to practice good habits that will be brain protective, health protective, right? And there's the obvious stuff. Eat well, exercise frequently. And the less obvious ones, make time to have fun. Make time for the people you love being around who inspire you, who remind you to laugh. Human contact and especially positive human contact. And I mean like the kind that makes you laugh until you blow milk bubbles out your nose. That's its own form of medicine, right? And so All work and no play is not a recipe for sustainability as an individual or even a company. So speaking as a healthcare advocate, not just a CEO, I have a practice that I have to give myself in order to do my job. And I highly encourage that in the community that I'm really active in here in RTP of other CEOs of life science companies. We all have to take care of ourselves in order to do our jobs because these are not easy jobs. But in terms of anybody considering a job in biotech, I love the fact that biotech has one of the lowest pay disparities between the sexes, right? So women have near par for their um, salaries. And I think that's super important. I've had the pleasure of traveling the world working in research on somebody else's dime without having to join the military. So I thought that was pretty cool too. And at the end of the day, Find something that really lights you up and then work super hard at it and recognize it's the long game, right? Quick solutions do not work. You recognize in the grand scheme of things, that's okay because the setbacks teach us things. And if you really love the work, it's a great lifetime career and you really will have impact on the quality of life of people you'll never meet as well as the people you know and love. Very wise words. Thanks so much for joining me today. My pleasure. Thank you, Emma. Thanks for listening. Be sure to follow us on Spotify, Apple, YouTube, and Google. 